This is the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and I'm your host, Kat Bean Hansen. Welcome. We're glad you're here. This week's message comes from our service on November 14th, 2021. Pastor Emma Peterson and our member Moria Brown bring us a co-sermon, which explores the idea, who is God to the humanist? Who is God to the Humanist is the official title of this presentation, but it could and maybe should be called, How Does the Humanist Relate to God? Let me explain. It was great to find a parking place one block from where the Sturgis Falls Parade would be passing. Since rain was in the forecast, I walked with my lawn chair and a large umbrella to the nearest street corner and prepared to settle in to watch the parade go by. A friendly man welcomed me to the corner and told me he lived just a block away. My car was probably parked in front of his house, I thought. Nice guy. So do you come to the parade every year? He asked. This is an extrovert's dream, he went on. The small talk continued until he shared that he is the associate pastor at a church. While we visited, he would wave at people, welcome people, and comment on what an amazing, beautiful day it was, always with a giant smile on his face. Some would reply with questions about whether or not it would rain. He'd point to the sky and say, It's not up to me whether it rains or not. That's someone else's decision. Oh, I see, I thought. It's going to get religious. And it did. All the glory and happiness of the day were brought to us by God, according to this man. When we were heading to Oklahoma City for my niece Cassie's wedding a number of years ago, we noticed weather spotters in the fields looking at the beautiful blue sky as we crossed over into the Oklahoma um, state line. Our curiosity got the best of us, so we turned on the car radio and learned that the entire state was under a tornado watch with a warning that conditions were right for an unavoidable nasty evening ahead. But the sky was so blue. How could that be? There was no hint of the storm to come, but come it did. That evening, in lieu of the rehearsal dinner, we sat in the woman's restroom at our motel with Cassie's 90-year-old grandmother and Cassie's three-year-old niece all huddled together on cushions from the the couches we took from our room. I read stories to the little girl off my iPad and tried to stay calm as a three-mile-wide storm barreled down on Oklahoma City. The forecasters said it would do one of three things. Hit Oklahoma City directly, boom. Split in two. Or lift 
and go over. It split in two, killing six people, most of whom were in cars when it struck. Cars were submerged in red clay mud, and if flooding wasn't blocking the streets, then downed trees were. We were lucky it missed us. The next day dawned beautiful, low humidity and perfect weather for a wedding. We ran a quick errand to a shopping mall where we stopped at a Lego store to look around. We were welcomed by the friendliest man we'd met in a long time. The talk was about how blessed we were to have been missed, that God was watching over us. Praise God. I turned to him and asked, what do you say to the families of the six people who lost their lives in that storm? I hadn't thought of that, he said. In late August, Zoya and I were heading out of the driveway for a bike ride when I noticed a gray minivan driving slowly down the street. No big deal. But by the time I had gotten to the end of our short one block long street, the van driven by a black woman had turned around and was heading back to our house. It stopped. I turned my bike around and rode up to the driver's side to see if she needed help. The woman told me she was looking for an address. It turned out to be our address. She said someone told her there was a Black Lives Matter sign in the yard there, and she wanted to thank whoever lived there. God had sent her to me and told her to thank me. She was on a mission. I told her she was brave to come and tell me that. She repeated this was God's will, not hers. That he wanted her to reach out to those who understand that we're all just people. God had sent her to me, period. How would her message have changed if she'd said, I heard you have a Black Lives Matter sign in your yard, and as a Black woman, I'd like to thank you for your support. Do these three people who believe that God has control of everything, from controlling the weather to controlling your every intention, have a different reality than I have? Or is it the same? I didn't tell any of the people in my stories that I didn't believe in their Christian God. I didn't want to offend them. Every one of them assumed I was Christian and would not only accept what they said, but embrace it. They had a certain security in being able to use their religion to explain life, to explain actions. What if the associate pastor had said instead, I'm glad we knew to bring umbrellas today. Thanks be to meteorologists. Or if the Lego store clerk had said, what a shame those folks who lost their lives didn't heed the weather warnings and get off the road. We had all day. I mean, we knew about the storm coming for hours. <laughs> or if the woman who stopped by to thank us for having a Black Lives Matter sign in our yard had said, I felt compelled to reach out because I knew I'd be safe with you. 
Sometimes I think religious response to any situation is a way of humbling oneself, of not taking credit for success. If one cannot take credit, one cannot take blame. If the black woman had been met with hostility and anger in my neighborhood, she could ask her God, why? Why did he send her there? What was she supposed to learn from that experience? Instead, she was met with open arms and a smile. So God had a plan. It also seems like a form of mental health counseling. If one is in deep despair over the death of six people in a tornado, for example, they can rest assured that these people will go on to a better place, making the loss here less tragic. And that they will be reunited with their loved ones someday. It's a way of coping with the unimaginable. Identifying myself as a humanist seems to be the way of explaining what I think about all of this. And you waited a long time for this definition, so listen up, folks. Humanism, as defined by the Oxford English Dictionary, is an outlook or system of thought attaching prime importance to human rather than divine or supernatural matters. Humanist beliefs stress the potential value and goodness of human beings, emphasize common human needs, and seek solely rational ways of solving human problems. Like when I called high B with the credit card. With that said, and that's end quote, with that said, it makes sense to say that I rely on reason, logic, and science to explain things. Am I always reasonable and logical? No. no. I get quite emotional at times, so how do I cope when faced with uncertainty or tragedy? I think people, nature, and the arts can provide support and help create peace for me when the world seems out of whack. God is an abstract concept to me. So if the word life is substituted for God, in my mind, I can accept the concept in all of the stories I shared. That's about as close as I get to God. When the guy in the Lego store told us we were blessed by God because the storm split and missed us, I had to substitute the word life to be able to relate to what he said in any way and wonder why those six people didn't take shelter. Next, we will hear from Pastor Emma with her perspective on this topic. I think many of us have experienced similar encounters to the one Moria described this morning. Friendly, casual meetings with strangers that suddenly take a sharp left turn that leave us thinking, oh boy, that person and I have very different worldviews. There's a phenomenon in psychology called the consensus effect. The consensus effect is the common pervasive bias individuals carry for their own behaviors, choices, and judgments. 
people tend to assume that their personal qualities, characteristics, beliefs, and life experiences are relatively widespread and common throughout the general population. When we meet people who match us in particular ways, especially along racial and gender lines, our brains do this funny thing, where in a desire to seek out like company, we assume other folks more or less think and act just like us. This might explain some of what Moria encountered. Friendly people openly sharing their theology with someone they assume probably thinks like they do. Of course, we are at least somewhat aware of how vastly varied our perspectives actually are. But at least initially, in an effort of connection, we make the hopeful assumption that we're all pretty much the same. But we aren't the same. And many of us have spent our lives disentangling the embedded theologies of our, of our youth. Embedded theology means the implicit beliefs we learn from our faith communities of origin. If we didn't grow up in a faith community, our embedded theologies may come from our family value systems, our educational backgrounds, or some other deeply ingrained aspect of our upbringing. Sometimes our embedded theologies are so firmly stuck in our consciousness, we might not even be aware of them. And we tend to revert back to our embedded theologies in times of crisis. Then there is deliberative theology, which is the theological viewpoints we arrive at after deep de deconstructive discernment. For many Unitarian Universalists who have dedicated themselves to the intentional lifelong search for truth and meaning, our deep deliberative discernment lands us in a firmly secular place. The God we were introduced to in our youth no longer seems plausible or comforting or awesome enough, and we eventually find ourselves in agnostic, atheist, or humanist camps. At least at the CVUU, we're in good company. Now, don't get me wrong, we are all aware that the consensus effect only gets us so far here. Our diversity of theological and philosophical thought is one of our most admirable qualities as a faith community. But it can be very jarring to encounter folks out in the world who seem to still be firmly rooted in a fantastical theological worldview. The idea that there is a being in the sky ordaining our fates, doling out punishment and reward based on one's ability to believe and remain in his, yes, his favor. As a hospital chaplain, I had these sorts of experiences a lot. I'd visit with a person confronting some of the most challenging circumstances of their lives, and they would tell me that God was in control or that everything happened for a reason. Everything happens for a reason is, was the one embedded theology that made me cringe the most. But as I became more aware of my own embedded theologies, I was able to find more understanding and compassion for the people I encountered who were reassuring themselves with objectively bad theology. That was the core of a lot of my chaplain education, learning to encounter and hold theologies that were deeply divergent from my own in an effort to provide good pastoral care. Was the belief in question actively harming the patient? I would ask myself. Likely no, or at least not in the moment? Was the belief providing them protection or comfort in that moment? 
If the answer was yes, it was much more important to meet the patient where they were and provide support than it would have ever been to push them to unpack this problematic theology. I think, in likely each of the encounters Moria described this morning, the beliefs the folks she encountered expressed were providing in-the-moment psychic protection. Our brains do all sorts of wacky things in, in an effort to protect us from the harsh reality of reality. But sometimes, or even often, those deeply held reflexive beliefs are keeping us safe from contending with truths we just can't cope with at the moment. And honestly, I think that's more or less okay. There can be something alienating and lonely for those of us who have rejected the religious beliefs we were introduced to in our youth, or those of us for who whatever reason have always rejected the idea that there must be a God out there somewhere. That's one of the reasons I love Unitarian Universalism. We make space for people to come around to their own conclusions about the meaning of life and whether God does or does not fit into that understanding, they will remain a welcomed part of our beloved community. One of the things I appreciate about humanism as a worldview is a belief that humankind, that human beings are essentially good, or even that if human beings aren't essentially good or all good, it is still a worthwhile endeavor to dedicate one's life to the betterment of humanity. If an afterlife isn't a part of your belief system, you have much more reason to spend the life you do have making things better for yourself and for whomever follows after you die. In our closing words today, Moria will mention that humanism is about values rather than beliefs. It gives me hope for humanity that humanists can arrive at a value system that upholds the inherent worth and dignity of human beings without the qualifier of a God insisting on good behavior from God's creation. Kindness, charity, cooperation, and stewardship are values powerful enough on their own without religion propping them up. I make no secret of the fact that I'm a theist. Sometimes I might even go so far as to call myself a Christian. And I know that my belief in a higher power is indeed a form of psychic protection. My faith in a divine energy that loves me and all of divine creation comforts me when I feel hopeless or lonely or fearful or sad. My faith reassures me that even as humans fail and fail again, there is a force in the world stronger and more resilient than all of our endless fallibility. My faith comforts me and it protects me and I do believe it makes me a better person. It also qualifies me to be a minister. But I completely understand why my theology wouldn't work for someone else. I think that's a big part of the challenge, to resist the urge to place a value judgment on our differing theologies, or to fall into the trap of thinking non-theists are somehow more evolved than theists. As long as your worldview isn't harming you or anyone else, it's all right by me. But I do wish a lot of us would incorporate some humanist theology into our perspectives. In many ways, humanity seems to have lost its way. 
a collective focus grounded in humanist values and open-minded critical thinking, science, compassion, justice, and the flourishing of humanity could indeed save us all. I misspoke a word, so I'm going to reread that last sentence. A collective focus grounded in humanist values on open-minded critical thinking, science, compassion, justice, and the flourishing of humanity could indeed save us all. Amen and blessed be. This has been the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists. The music is by Nathan Moore. If you want to learn more about the CVUU, visit our website at www.cedarvalleyuu.org. And you can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at Cedar Valley UU. We welcome visitors to attend our online services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you'd like to learn more about joining us for a service, send us an email at cvuupodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.